It's good to be here with you today. I was, uh, this has been a challenging week getting ready for the sermon. Uh, it's a nice big topic that uh, I bit off. Uh, Andrew gave me my choice of topics, and I probably would go back and choose another one. <laughs> uh, but it is good to be here during, uh, during this time. Josh and Martha and the boys say bonjour. It's uh, the children are learning French very quickly. They, uh, Abram and Eli opened the window up for Josiah every morning so he could look out the window and yell at the neighbors, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> so they can yell back at him. So they are doing well. And, uh, I know you miss them, but you don't have us be. <laughs> we miss them very dearly. So, the topic today, we were going to, trying to gear it toward Anabaptism. It made it a little bit challenging because I gave a young pastor all my Anabaptist books. You're welcome, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was, as I was getting ready for this, I said, boy, this is really challenging now. And so, uh, it's, it's going to be somewhat geared toward Anabaptism, although, um, how many have seen the book, the movie, The Radicals? Just a few of you? Now, I had the movie, if y'all ever want to borrow it and watch it here. Uh, we had that movie. So, I, I like the movie. It really explains where Anabaptism comes from, Anabaptism comes from. At the end of the, movie is starts scrolling and it says all of these different traditions owe their um, owe, owe their uh, foundations to Anabaptism and it starts li- listing all these different Protestant denominations like Baptist Assemblies of God and just I can't remember all the ones that owe their foundations to Anabaptism and so as I share today, we really, you know, although uh, the congregation I go to right now doesn't necessarily say, use the term Anabaptism, we, the foundations are there. And I myself is, would call myself an Anabaptist, of course. And, and so as I share this and I look through history, I just look at Anabaptism all throughout history as far as where we can get our endurance from. I certainly look at the beginning of the church and I see the challenging times. Well, I think about the, the enduring the times, facing the challenges of fallen Christ throughout all times. Now, endurance, we have to really start out by just getting a good definition of endurance. Denton has given me permission to not preach my normal 45 minutes and do it in 20 minutes. So I'm sure you thank him. For that, but the, the endurance. Let's get a good definition of endurance: the fact of or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way to it. In other words, giving, enduring that unpleasant thing, and and then during the children's story was talking about like running a marathon. That is a good, that is a, a good example. Now I. By looking at me, you can tell I'm not a marathon runner either. 
you know, the, that is not my sport. It would not ever be my sport. It would never ever was my sport. And uh, but the endurance of a marathon is the long distance and the training of it, the endurance it takes to run a marathon certainly would be that. It's such a long distance to run. Was it 26.2 miles? And so to think of running that far, you know, we have several marathon runners I know in my church. I don't know. Is anybody a marathon runner here? Have ever run one? Somebody has? Whoa. Congratulations. That is something to behold. I mean, yeah, uh, because to do that is astounding to me. I mean, just to think about that, to run that far. And uh, I drove that far once. It was very challenging in Boston. Yeah, but to run that far in Boston is is just amazing. And uh, and we have a lady in our church that did it after she was 50 years old. That's the first time she ran it. Uh, to practice for that, the, the time to practice for that, and to run it without giving way to it, to giving in to the exhaustion. It's the power to withstand something challenging to achieve a goal. Yeah, some of you, I'm sure you ladies would think about giving birth. Yeah, the endurance to go through that. Uh, for some of us men we, who are Redskin fans, we think about the last time they won, won a World's, uh, man, <laughs> a Super Bowl. And it's going to keep going the way it looks. But anyway, just to endure something for a long time before a goal is achieved. Now, in the Christian walk, as we, as we think about things in the Christian walk, and, and we, and I think of just the, the thing, Jesus summed up the commandments, what are the greatest commandments? Well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is much like the same, is to love your neighbor as yourself. He could stop right there, cut out the rest of Scripture. I can be working on that the rest of my life. You know, to think about that, the endurance of that. The endurance of that. To be loving God with everything, my whole, my whole being. And the second is much like the same, to love my neighbor as myself. It's much like the same to love him as myself. And sometimes I just meditate on those two verses. And I begin to think. And I begin to try to concentrate on those. What does that mean for my life every day? Every day. That's a long distance race. That is not a goal for daily devotional for a month or two months. Or That's it. That's a long-distance race. So the, the Christian walk is a long-distance. It's, it's, a, it's a walk of endurance. The first John passage, I told Kath, she asked me for my verses on Wednesday, and I said, got too many. <laughs> You're way ahead of me. I'll tell you tomorrow, and then... Finally, I just said, uh, I can't, I, I just got to narrow it down. Just let's just use 1 John. <laughs> you know, and I'll go there. 
and I just looked at the highlights. I said, which way of, of love is it for the church? I mean, which way of life is it? Uh, which way of power and which way of connection when we think about for our lives to live and what this passage is talking about? I, I, you know, I could talk about endurance in a lot of different areas, and I look at it for this is for the church when we when we think about the Anabaptists and the, when they first started. Uh, certainly the compulsion of love and to love to the to the point of not picking up arms to take another's life, to love your neighbor to the point of willing to willing to give your life for them, whether it, at the point of losing yours, whether and not take theirs. Um, to w- live your life in such a way <clears throat> as to give, willing to give what you have to the poor and to those around us. To, I mean, to live that communal life so that others can survive in the midst of persecution and the power that they were willing to give up, the power that they were willing to, to in the world's eyes, they gave up the power that that their enemies had, the power of the sword, but their power was in such a different way. And much like the early church, I'm still amazed if you think about the early church and the Anabaptists, how under that much persecution and how much, you know, of torture and the loss of life, and they spread. And they spread. And they spread to a point where it was, it was almost a matter of futility of their enemies <laughs> to kill them. Can you imagine that much love? And then we say, well, and some I've had to deal with that say, that won't work. I said, oh, yes, it has. <laughs> oh, yes, it has. And yes, it will. In which way connection? The power connection, the power community. The power community... And the always in the power community is always a challenge of how much to be huddled to yourself and how much to be stay in community but yet be influential to the world. That is always the challenge. It's always the challenge of the church. It doesn't matter whether you're in you know the communities of the Mennonite Church, where, where you know your own, your own specific communities. Like, I still remember watching some film. I can't remember where it was, where, where the guy was driving down the road and all the mailboxes were yoder, yoder, yoder. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember that film. It's so funny. <laughs> but anyway, but you know, or or you're in these type of communities in our. In our present day, where where 
I think this church is a little different because I know Kathy lives way out in Newport area. You know, you might be a little bit more spread out, but a lot of communities, they're so tight together that they do everything in the church and they're, and it's hard sometimes to get them to reach out into the community. Some churches have that problem. So it's always, it's always that challenge of, of the connection to be, getting beyond. But the, as the Mennonite church or the Anabaptists have always had to reach out, and the early church had to had that, deal with that tension as well. But they did. The early church had to deal with it so much. <laughs> I mean, the, excuse me, the Roman Empire had to deal with it so much, they had to figure out something to do with them that grew so large. They ended up baptizing all the <laughs> all the soldiers because, yeah, their empire was so big, and the Christians were taking it over. But I want to go with. Let's just start going through here because I am not going to take up all the time. I'm going to put my watch here. I won't look up at that. I'll look at down here. Let me talk about the Church of Syria right now. I'm going, to, you know. Try to tie it back and forth. The way of love. I couldn't remember all my Anabaptist stories, sorry. If I had my books, I would. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I'll tell you one model. This is George and Jen and Lucas Nassar. Now, they're very precious to Margie and I. Uh, George and Jen. They bought my mom's house. She passed away about a year ago. They bought, they're in our church. And George is from Syria. And uh, love this couple. And uh, we get to keep Lucas a lot. Right next to us. Same area, but recently, George and Jen went overseas uh, to a conference in Lebanon. His parents live in Syria. They live in Damascus. And so, of course, there was a war in Damascus here the last few years. And we have been praying for his parents and for a church we're connected with, several churches we're connected with in, in Damascus area. And it used to, we were able to send pastors and uh, ministry leaders into Syria to help those churches and disciple those churches and help them, bring relief to them, and bring leaders over to the United States to help, you know, give those leaders a break. Well, it's a different world now. And we were, we've been praying for George's parents and one of his, I believe it's his father that passed away, or his mother, his mother passed away. I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, But, there. You know, while we're praying for the church there, it's, it's been growing in the midst of all this bombing in the midst of Syria and Damascus. And one bomb landed right in front of, right in front of the church. And they couldn't get out for several years. And we were trying to get the pastor out. He said, I'm not leaving my flock. I'm not leaving these people. There's no way I'm coming out of this. Yeah, and here you talk about political, and we're going to get to politics a little bit later. 
Well, you talk about political jam. Here, you know, Assad was protecting the church, churches, even though he's pretty evil as far as chemical weapons. He's got ISIS coming down, throwing bombs at everybody. If they took over Damascus, they're going to kill the Christians. And then he's got the the Muslims uh, that we were backing, the Muslim rebels, that they didn't know what was going to happen to them if they took over. They might have protected the Orthodox Church, but they didn't know what they would do to the Protestant Church. So how do you pray? How do you pray? Well, you pray for the love for the church and for for them, and they grew. And they grew. So we still can't get into Syria. We still can't get in there to help them. So what they did was through a through a conference in Lebanon. And we brought the church out of Syria because they can travel out of Syria now. And we brought the whole church out of Syria into Lebanon to give them a break. They said, well, we, can't, we don't want to cost you too much money, so we're just going to leave the end here and just bring the adults. And we said, no way. It wasn't just our church. It was a whole bunch of churches. Okay. And we've gone to So we said, no way. You probably have PTSD, too. And so we, we, we got enough money to bring You know, the way of love in the midst of all this trauma, in the midst of all what the church has had to endure over the years, when you think about the early church, when you think about the Anabaptist church, when you read the stories of the Anabaptist church and the torture they went through, we had our, our issues among our first world issues. And when we try to deal with them, it's just so different than when we're trying to deal with what George's family has to deal with. And it's just so hard to relate sometimes until you go there. Until I went to the slums of in, in New Delhi, India, my world just flipped when I went to the slums of New Delhi. My perception of the world, my view of how to love, just changed. Completely. My first world views of this world changed. And it doesn't mean that we don't have struggles. And we do have struggles. And we, do, we have pain that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And we need to have that compassion on a daily basis. And it changes. You know, and, and we have to deal with those people on a daily basis who, who struggle. And I don't mean to negate that. When Molly has trouble... Find a job. We need to be right there with them. And walking with them, praying with them. You know? When we have people who are dealing with illnesses, we need to be walking right with them. You know, and caring for them. But sometimes we get so so comfortable we, we can kind of almost ignore that in our settings. We the comfort almost takes us away. And so I think the challenge for us goes a little bit differently. In, in Syria, they have to depend on each other. It's not a choice. It is just not a choice. If they don't de- depend on each other, they could die. 
They have to share, share their food. They have to share whatever they have. And the strength, I think, of the Anabaptists, the strength I've seen in this church over the years is the way we share with each other. And I think that's the strength of Anabaptism. And it's a witness to the world. You don't think it's a witness to this world? The community. The community. I've tried to bring it into our church. That type of community. We're working on, on that type of thing now. It's a lot easier in a smaller church, I tell you. <laughs> whole lot easier in a smaller church. Let's go to the next one. The way of life. Um, what I was referring to in the first one, it says, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I was trying to make a contrast there. Sorry. So I'm reading back to the verse. I'm trying to, I don't want to rush too much. I'm going to miss some of the, <laughs> some of what I'm trying to refer to is the contrast of loving this world and loving the things of God. Loving the ways of God. So, and that's that's a challenge for us. If we love the world and the things of this world, that's where we're going to miss. The love of the Father. The love of God. Here, the the way of life is bringing heaven to this earth. (laughs) The, The Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now for all in First John 2, 16, it says, For all that are in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. The challenge for us is to, is to have our eyes on the eternal things and not on the things that are past. Now, I'm not sure you, I'm not saying you can't enjoy things in this life. Of course you can. It's not that type of sermons. I'm sure those who have uh, grown up in my church might have heard those worldly sermons a lot growing up. So I'm not trying to repeat any of those. But my, my thing here is this. This sermon is talking about bringing heaven to earth not trying to, and trying to transform earth. Jesus came announcing the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God is here. That's the gospel, by the way. That's the gospel. That the kingdom of God is here. And if anything the Anabaptists have been good at is announcing that the kingdom of God is here, we can live out that kingdom here. It's something we can be proud of, to be able to hold that up. Let's stay here for a minute.
I'm not, I'm not really big into end times stuff. I don't get into, into it like that. This, this is, yeah, I did when I first became a believer. I just thought, you know, it's common. A bunch of people around me are that. And so a bunch of people around me are always big into the rapture type of theology. And I was like, and it didn't never made sense to me. Why are you big into getting out of here? I, I don't understand too much that. I guess when people feel pain in their life, they want to get out of here. And Morgan and I were at this conference um, about a week and a half ago, two weeks, and it was called the American Association of Christian Counselors. It's a huge conference, about 7,000 counselors, world conference. Love the conference. And there was one speaker who said, he said, this rapture theology is really messing people up. He was talking about kingdom theology. He says, Jesus didn't want you to get out of this world. He wants you to get out of this whole the world. What a beautiful thing to say. To a lot of these guys, I think it's guaranteed that they're going to have to get out of the world too. And I bet you they were squirming in their seat. But that's what, he, that's what he came to do. He came, he came to bring about a change in this earth. Not to get you out of this earth, but to change the earth right where you're at. To bring heaven to this earth. Right where you are at. I don't care what you do, what your job is, or what you're dealing with. is to be able to bring a change to this earth. That's the way of God. That's the way of life for a believer. That's the way of Anabaptism. Let's go to the next slide. The way of power. Hmm. Okay, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour. Now, you notice, I was talking about the last days, the end of times, whatever. They thought it was the end of times back then. I guess that's why I'm not too big in end times theology. (laughs) They thought it was in time for theology back to so okay. Anyway, children is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have risen, and from this we know that is the last hour. Okay. What's an Antichrist? I'm gonna let Andrew answer that in another sermon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Antichrist is just what it says. Anti to the things of Christ. It's absence of the teachings of Christ. Why don't you go with that for a minute? Just think. Anti to the things of Christ. If it's anti to the teachings of Christ, it's anti-Christ, right? There have been many antichrists throughout this throughout this world. Some have been outside the church, and some of them have been inside the organized church. I don't know if I should go around naming them. I'll let Andrew do that. <laughs> I can certainly name a few. I can think of Adolf Hitler as definitely an Antichrist. I'm not going to go any present names. I'll say all that one. I will, I will say there has been many. 
I cannot say, I, I can say that what happened during the Crusades was not of Christ. I was talking to a person that doesn't believe recently, and they were throwing the Crusades in my face. And the millions of people that were killed in the name of the Crusades. And I said, that was not of Christ. I said that that wasn't Christ. I can't say that was Christ's will. I could. I can't say that was Christ's will. Can to me that wasn't Christ's will. I can name that and say that. The way of power, God's politics is different than our politics. Now, in our church, we don't talk politics from the pulpit. Not modern day politics, at least. We just don't do it. We tell people they can go vote. But here's what I do do. I will talk about God's politics. And when I tell people, eight years ago, I was telling people who were thinking that Obama was the Antichrist, I told them, trust the God of our kingdom. Because he does not share power with anybody. And I'll tell people today, trust in God of our kingdom. He does not share power with anybody. He is our God of our kingdom. We are here to share about our kingdom. I'm not telling you what to do as far as voting. That is up to you. That's up to your pastor if he wants to share whatever he wants to share. <laughs> In our church, we don't do that. Okay? But this slide to me, Henry, Henry Mellon, this is why, how I pronounce his last name, I love the saying. I love Henry Mellon. Okay? I like his reading. I like reading his stuff. It says, For Jesus, there is no countries to be conquered, no ideologies to be imposed. No people to be dominated. There are only children, women, and men to be loved. I can get some amens for that one. That's the call of Christ in our life. And that's what politics, to me, God's politics are. It's to love. And to spread the kingdom of God. Now, before you turn to the next slide, the way of connection is my next point. And the way of connection is this. When Koinonia has always been very important to Anabaptists, to the early church, to me and the church today. The churches that do not have connection, you know, they die. I mean, the church is in trouble universally today. Especially in America. I mean, there's a lot of churches closing. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. There's a lot of church buildings closing. The millennial church, the millennials rather, are leaving the church in droves. It's sad. They did a, they did a survey recently 
about why millennials are, you know what that means, So they're leaving the church. They're not coming to us. They're leaving. So I'm going to let you answer this question. What, what do you think the number one reason is they're leaving the church? Man, you don't want to choose for <laughs> What do you think the number one reason is they're leaving? They don't feel connected. in seminary and I was taking preaching class they told me keep the Bible in one hand and newspaper in another so when you get in the pulpit you're relevant well I, it's a good idea but I don't trust any of the other side right now so I'm going to have to stick to this side right now I just I, I really don't and I'm not I just really don't anymore. I don't know what to trust. And we have to be relevant to this world. And the and the word we Jesus' words are relevant to this world. They're relevant to, relevant to us. And we have to teach this world how to be connected again with the words of Christ. How to love and how to do justice and how to do mercy. And how to walk humbly. You think the world needs some of that? You think our Anabaptist brothers and sisters have taught us over the years? I think they have. You think they've been persecuted through times like this before? I think they have. And I think they have a lot to teach us. Let's go to the next screen. Which way connection? Who is with us? I love this slide. I'm sorry. I just had to throw it in. I'm not with you guys. Okay? <laughs> All these West, West Baptist guys. There's some people that are not with us, people. What we say? I'm not with these guys. I'm not with them. It's okay to say I'm not with some Christians who are shouting the wrong way. I'm telling you, it's okay. You don't have to go our way, but when somebody challenges you, when somebody
Are you living like these guys? You say, no, I'm not living like these guys. This is what the doctor says. Balaam is going to hear the first John. Do you see this? These people have gone out from us. He's antichrist. These people have gone out from us. They're not with us. It's okay to say people aren't with us. Even some who use the name of Christ who are not with us. Now, I'm, you know, our church might be a little bit different than yours. I don't know. We're crazy sometimes. Charismatics. Okay. But we're pretty similar. There are very few differences. Our language might be different. Whatever. But there's some churches who belittle God and belittle the Word of God. And you don't have to say, I'm with them. It's okay. You're not being mean. I know, I know, I know, pacifist, that doesn't mean we have to be passive, okay, <laughs> in that sense. We are peacemakers, not peace lovers, okay? And we can say where their differences are for the sake of the gospel. It's okay. So, we have to say where we're connected sometimes by saying where we're not connected. Next slide, then my last slide. I'm getting out of here. I went too long. <sighs> Sorry. This one I threw up because one of the classes I took at the, at this conference I went to was on digital addiction, and it is a concern of mine. I know this is a little off, but Marty made me take this class. I don't know why she made me take it. Something about Maybe I was digitally addicted or something. <laughs> anyway, I came out and I really signed up to become a digital addiction coach because of the dangers. And I'm not, I'm not here down in technology. Yeah, technology is a wonderful thing. My son says right there, his brain technology We had to face challenges. And we had
have to deal with as far as the drugs. Amen? Uh, the drug addiction is really getting down through it. We have a, we have a, um, a regeneration program in the forty for men who have had addictions. And we bring them in and just to tell anybody to get their head in and just try to get them into a program. But every generation has got issues they have to deal with. In a few years, they already have them in South Korea where they have digital addiction programs for, for youth. They have to put them in the house for seven years. That's the problem there. It's coming here. And, you know, it's other issues. We can find them in here. But as, but as a church, you find the release the problems. You find what brings about problems with connection. I asked the guy that runs our program, Robbie, how do you know if somebody's addicted? What really tells you, he said, if it hurts people's relationships. No matter what it is, if it hurts people's relationships. So I just leave you with that. Stay connected. Because it gets you through. That's part of being 20 years. It's part of how you endure everything.